0: Welcome to the Get Your Goat Podcast, this is your host Josh, happy to be with you after a weekend full of sports, oh, a lot to get into, a lot to discuss, movie reviews to discuss as well, some stock stuff, oh, there is a full palette smorgasbord going on on this show right now. And I'm happy to be here with you after a crazy weekend. It is nice to be in a relaxing spot talking about sports. This is what is needed. Let's get into it. First off, Mike Upati, Stargard, All-Pro, has retired. Today, after 11 years with the San Francisco 49ers, Arizona Cardinals, and Seattle Seahawks, he spent all his life in the NFC West. Had a great career. Uh, made it to Super Bowls. Uh, wish him and his family nothing but the best. Congratulations on an awesome career, Mike. Hope you and your family do well moving forward into your next chapter after football. Next is more Carson Wentz news. Michael Pittman uh, this past year was a rookie going into a second year wide receiver of the Indianapolis Colts. Happens to wear the same number that Carson Wentz does. They both wear number eleven. Carson Wentz just got acquired in a trade and Michael Pittman said today that he wouldn't give his number over to Carson Wentz. There'd be no deal. No deal would be getting done. Is this a big deal? Is this not? Uh, let's see, Michael Pittman, do I know who he was? Yes, because he got drafted, as I love watching the draft, so that's how I knew him, but when you look at his stats and what he did this season, uh, he is pretty underwhelming, 40 receptions, 500 yards, and one touchdown to his name, uh, not great stats at all, uh, So to me, he doesn't really have the room to talk at all about anything because it's not like he's a stud wide receiver in this league or at least a stud rookie coming out like Justin Jefferson was this past year. So is this a big deal? Yes, it is a big deal. It's a big deal because of the way he worded it and the way he said it saying, nope, no way he's going to do it. No way I'm giving away my number. There's no deal that could get done. And then he said after that, you know, he talked and we cool, which is all fine with. But it would have been better if he would have asked him before about changing his number. That would have been the better solution is if he asked and said, yep, you know, I talked to Carson. Uh, he said he's going to switch his number anyways. Uh, it's no big deal. I'm keeping my number. Something of that would have been fine, but the way you worded it saying it's no big deal. Because guess what? Carson Wentz is going to be the quarterback throwing the football to you. Uh, you make comments like that saying, you know, no deal's going to get done. You might not have a lot of targets come your way, Michael Pittman. Quarterbacks keep receipts. They remember things like that. And guess what? Carson, that'll be in the back of Carson Wentz's head every time he throws a ball to you and it's also huge to Carson Wentz is because he just came from the Philadelphia Eagles uh reports that you know receivers didn't trust him you know players not making a ton of effort to go for the football so this you know on Michael Pittman's part could have been something that you know I don't respect this guy coming in I don't think he's that good uh I either like the guys we had or just get a new guy entirely. Not have this Carson Wentz drama over this organization. So to us, or to me, that is huge. uh, To have Carson Wentz, new teammate coming in, not even being accepted right away into the locker room. Yes, he'll be accepted by coaches, staff, and all that. But the player already, a wide receiver, if that uh, not even publicly supports you, Uh, is huge, and to me, this just furthers my point on Carson Wentz, the fracture there, uh, his psyche, and then the team as well. I think this is going to be a divided team going into next year. And to me, the most recent switch of Jersey numbers quarterback coming to a team is Tom Brady, coming to the buccaneers he has worn number 12 his whole life whole life tv 12 that's his known that's what he's known as that's his nickname tv 12 tampa or tom brady wears number 12 and he went to the buccaneers left the new england patriots to go to the bucks and you know what you know who wore number 12 on the bucks chris godwin wore number 12 on the Bucks before Tom Brady came along. So Tom Brady comes along, and they thought, ooh, is he going to give his number up? Is Tom Brady really going to switch numbers and no longer be? TB12, you know what Chris Godwin did? Out of respect for the GOAT, he said he would take a new number, switch his number, and let Tom Brady continue with his number of TB12, continue that thread. And to me right there, that's the hallmark of true teammates saying, hey, I can pick a number. Of course, these are two different scenarios as Tom Brady's the GOAT, greatest quarterback of all time, and Carson Wentz nowhere near that echelon or tier of quarterbacks at all. So I understand that. So Tom Brady gets his treatment. Of course, he gets special treatment, preferential treatment. But it opened up the locker room, and guess what? Tom Brady delivered Chris Godwin a Super Bowl ring. Uh, so to you, you look back, you see nothing of it. Uh, could there have been fractures if you know Chris Godwin said, you know, you know what, Punk, I'm not giving you my number. You know, there could have been. But he didn't do that. So you see here already this making news of Michael Pittman not switching his jersey number. Carson Wentz has worn number eleven his whole career as well. So we'll see if any. Of this pays big dividends or not. I think it will, but that all remains to be seen. It does, but I don't think this Carson Wentz experiment will end well with the Indianapolis Colts, and I don't think uh, entering into a second year Michael Pittman is going to contribute anything special as well. But I've spoken enough on the Indianapolis Colts on my last podcast, just needed to get that out there. Now, moving on to the NBA. I am right. I am right about the Lakers so far. On a two game losing streak, they beat the Timberwolves and now have lost back to back against the uh, Heat and the Nets. Uh, they played close against the Nets, uh, but you know LeBron says he has to step, he has to do more and step it up. And I totally agree uh, with that statement that LeBron made. I had no issue with it at all. With Anthony Davis being out, uh, ESPN had him as a number two player coming into this year and prediction for this year. He's the number two best player in the league. Uh, so LeBron does have to step up. He's the best player in the world, best NBA player. You have to step up for your team now, and to me, I think the whole team really did step up against the Heat. Uh, Kuzma got in on the action, Wesley Wesley Matthews played fine, who I was critical of uh, the game before, Uh, Montrezl Harrell played better, Uh, Marquise Morris actually added in some points, Uh, of course Caruso missed a game-winning shot, I think LeBron should have taken that shot, or Pass it to anybody other than Caruso. Because to me, he's not that game-clinching, game-tying, game-winning shot type of guy. He's not. But to me, the whole team was involved. They played well to me. Uh, the loss was on LeBron. He didn't play up to high standards. One for eight. From the three-point line, he was doing well so well from three. And now he is struggling from deep as of lately. That is huge. But yes, he has to do more. Step it up. I believe he only had 19 points. In that game against the Heat. So they had 94 points. He had 19. If they consistently. The bench. The supporting cast around LeBron. Consistently brings that night in and night out. And LeBron gives 19 points. Doesn't get to 20. I think they'll lose a lot of games. You have to consider that. You know this team. uh, Isn't going to be that consistent. The supporting cast isn't going to be that consistent. Night in and night out. So to me. LeBron has to put up huge numbers like he did in Cleveland when he was by himself with a similar supporting cast. He has to put up 30 plus points a game in order for this team to win games. Uh for it to be close to win games, LeBron has to put up 30 plus points, teeter on averaging a triple-double going like 38 and 8, you know, 30 10 and 8, 39 and 9, one of those. That's what he has to do. He has to be close to near perfect every night, night in and night out with Anthony Davis if they want to continue as one of the top teams in a very tough West division. So, yes, LeBron has to step up and do more. And this is something he has done throughout his whole career. Everywhere he's gone, he stepped up. He's proven that he's a man. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an issue going forward. I think he's going to step up and do well like he always has. And we'll be seeing classic vintage LeBron taking down teams single-handedly. Yes, they have a tough schedule. Yes, I said 4-5. and But to me, that's a win if you're just dropping back-to-backs and you don't lose three in a row. So I think the Lakers are in just a fine position moving forward. Moving in to my top five in the NBA now, currently at the moment after this past week of watching the NBA. Number five, the Brooklyn Nets. And this was so tough because this one was right between the Nets and the Suns. But the Nets being on like a you know six-game winning streak... And especially their last two against, or their last three against the Suns, Lakers, and Clippers, I had to give it to them uh, since they beat the Suns and they came back. I had to get them that fifth spot. To me, it was more of a choke job by the Suns really giving away that 28 point lead. They were in full command, uh, but it was a great effort, great comeback win by the Nets, especially with KD out. So I had to give it to the Nets. They're playing superb right now. James Harden is great. He is showing up. Kyrie Irving is also showing up. Showing what a star he is. Uh, buying into Steve Nash and the system. Buying into the teammates he's got and the style of play that they're doing. He is playing fantastic. And just the two of them showing up night in and night out has been phenomenal. Amazing. They've been pulling off six wins in a row uh, with KD back. And them getting real chemistry with the three of them. Uh, This will actually be really scary for the rest of the league. Pencil in the nets to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. If not the NBA Finals. But first, they have to go go through who I think is number four and the best team in the East. And that is the Philadelphia 76ers. They were 2-2 two two this past week. Their losses were to the best team in the NBA, I think, uh, is the Jazz. They lost to them in really a shootout, high-scoring game, uh, really fun to watch. Even a tough Toronto team. Toronto gives it their all night in and night out, to, no matter who, what top dog they play. So they just lost to them the other night, but they beat the Rockets and the Bulls. Joel Embiid. Is now playing like the front-runner MVP, averaging 30 points, 11 rebounds, a double-double. He is playing great. Not only is his offense amazing, but his defense is amazing as well. He hasn't had injury concerns as bad as he has in the past. He's locked into this new system with Doc Rivers. Uh, Doc Rivers is unlocking new things with this team, the experienced coach that he is. Ben Simmons is buying in. They are all playing great. This is really a complete, cohesive team effort being played by the Philadelphia 76ers. They've beat the Nets uh, shorthanded, just James Harden playing. But to me, I want to see these two teams healthy playing against each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. it's going to be great to see previews of them throughout in the regular season. Uh, To me, right now, it would be too close to call especially with the 76ers showing up hot, even in losses like the Jazz. Uh, to me, even those are encouraging. It shows fight, shows not backing down, showing resilience. And you can take uh, moral victories in losses like that. Number three, the L.A. Lakers. And I struggled to put them here or really anywhere on this list, but I thought three, you know, I have to put them in the top five because they're the Lakers with LeBron, but, you know, they suffered back-to-back losses. Last one was a week ago against the Timberwolves. LeBron says he's had to step it up, and he will step it up. And to me, it's all about the supporting cast being consistent, because if LeBron brings it up, brings it, you know, night in, night out, and the supporting cast uh, with Kyle Kuzma, Wesley Matthews, Montrezl Harrell, if they all play like they did against the Heat, They will win a lot of games, even with AD out, but if they are inconsistent and you're hearing me talk about Marquise Morris just running around, putting up a goose egg, Wesley Matthews scoring two points, Montrez in single digits, and they're not showing up, LeBron cannot bail that out in this tough West division. So if they have a consistent starting lineup, getting points, this Lakers team We'll be back on top in short notice, and they will be just fine with AD out for the next three to four weeks. I think they will be just fine. But that remains to be seen. Next is the Los Angeles Clippers, number two. And I hate putting them ahead of the Lakers. Ooh, it frustrates me uh, putting Kawhi, Paul George, anywhere above LeBron and the Lakers, that's one thing. It just didn't feel right. I could put anybody else above. I'd be fine, but the Clippers is the one team that bothers me. But guess what? They beat the Heat, which is still a good team. Made it to the finals last year. They split against the Jazz. They beat the Jazz once. Then they lost to the Jazz. And then they lost to the Nets. And really a tough, tough game. Uh, Lost by four points. Uh, Kawhi and Paul George are now back. Uh, they look good, especially Paul George. He's looked good all year long. Uh, to me, the reason they lost is they really need more consistency from everyone else on their bench. Uh, the same thing I just talked about, the Lakers and their supporting cast, same thing goes with the Clippers. Uh, for the Clippers, it's not as huge, especially against you know middle-of-a-pack, lower teams, if you have Kawhi and Paul George both in the lineup. You know, Lakers only have LeBron in the lineup right now, but they can get by with AD in the lineup. Same with the Clippers. They can get by with Kawhi and Paul George in the lineup. One of them goes out. It's tough. Both of them goes out. It's darn near impossible to pull off a string of winning games. But they are looking good. They are positioning themselves well for a good run with Kawhi and Paul George back. With Kawhi's latest a uh, little injury spell, Paul George, as well. I could see Kawhi getting rested a little more. Paul George had a minutes restriction against the Nets. He was upset about that. I feel like if they didn't, you know, take him out because he was hot, they could have won this game. But to me, that was an Eastern, or that uh, my bad, that was a NBA finals preview between the Brooklyn Nets and V. L.A. Clippers. Number one on my list is no surprise, and that is the Utah Jazz. They only have one loss in February so far. We're 22 days in, only one loss, and that was their most recent loss Friday night against a healthy Clippers Clippers team by four points a couple nights before they beat them, and then they lost. Uh, It's hard to play teams, you know, uh not back to back, but you know, no other games in between. You know, you play that same team within a certain stretch. That's always tough. But Rudy Gobert is a defensive player of the year so far. Uh his interior defense is insane. Rim protection, rebounds. He is so good. And proving Shaq wrong, uh to me, this is just the Utah Jazz Uh, fueled by Shaq's comments on their two star players talking about Rudy Gobert, telling everybody that, you know, you can make $200 million scoring 11 points or whatever he said, really firing up Rudy Gobert. Then again, he is a good offensive player. He's not gifted by any means, but he is a gifted, amazing defensive player, and that's what he does is he shows up on the defensive end. Donovan Mitchell, another one Shaq called out saying, you know, uh, he still needs to take it to another level. He likes him, but he's not great. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is entering the MVP conversation because he is playing so well. So thank you, Shaq, for fueling this team. It's so much appreciated. And they're just playing great on both ends, offensively and defensively. They are just a complete package. They've been healthy all year. The supporting cast has been great. Michael Porter, Royce O'Neal, Mike Conley. Uh, this team is a team that should be feared, rightly so, after winning so many games in a row before this loss, so many by double digits. But Utah Jazz have played really, really well. Now, going on to my pick for tonight for the NBA. In my game. That I've chosen because I'm a Lakers fan is obvious. Now it is a Washington Wizards versus the Los Angeles Lakers. It is Bradley Beal going up against LeBron James. Bradley Beal has been sensational on the offensive end all season, averaging thirty plus points. He's been great. Uh, Russell Westbrook puts up his you know triple doubles, but he has not looked like his former self athletically and. Uh, at least a shot either. I think LeBron James and the Lakers will rebound tonight, and they will get that win. I think the Lakers are going to do it. They've lost back-to-back. I do not see them losing three in a row. They're not built like that. I think Frank Vogel will fire up this team, uh, and I think LeBron will do just enough to eke a win against this Wizards team, who can be dangerous at times, but I think the Lakers can do it. Next, my college basketball picks over this past weekend. I was 3-0. and It was crazy. Look at me go. I couldn't believe it. I was nervous. All weekend, those games were so close that I picked, but I had to stay strong. Kansas was right. I picked them over Texas Tech. Got that right. West Virginia over Texas. Correct. And then Michigan over Ohio State was great uh, that win number 3 versus number 4 number 3 prevailing Michigan was great but Ohio State played amazing as well very of a real deal uh, EJ Liddell and Dwayne Washington were great uh, Dwayne had 30 points EJ had 23 uh, they were solid uh, with Walker adding you know 15 on the bench but this was just all around greatness from Michigan they were so good. Led by Dickinson, of course, their rookie, fantastic rookie. But Eli Brooks, Mike Smith, Isaiah Livers, Shondy Brown, all had double digits. They all put up points. They all played so well. And that's why they beat Ohio State, is because even though Liddell and Dwayne were just scoring machines, it was a completeness. By Michigan, they got it done. Uh, They both shot 53% from the field. This was just a great offensive game by both teams. Both teams gave it their all on the court. But Michigan is the team that prevailed. And they looked so good and so dangerous heading into their final stretch of a regular season. So who is my top five now in college basketball? Moving on. From NBA to college basketball, top five, top five. This was tough. Between, you know, number one through three are solid, but four and five are tough. I have to put Ohio State as number five. Their seven-game win streak was just halted by Michigan, who beat them. But they have looked really good all season long, as I said, led by EJ Liddell. Uh, But to me, the one thing to look forward to, To in their future games is their interior defense. Uh, EJ Liddell is not, he's a big man, but he's not a super tall man. Hunter Dickinson was able to take advantage of him. We saw Luca Garza take advantage of him, even though Iowa won. So that is something to watch for future good big men against this Ohio State interior defense. Can they hold up? Can they get stops? Can they frustrate those opponents' big men, you know, to keep on consistently getting wins. Number four, the Illinois Fighting Illini. Their offense is great and rolling behind a u Dusanmu. He's amazing on the Wooden Watch Award. Uh they haven't lost in February either. Uh they are just playing really high. Skilled offensive basketball is lately beating good teams in Wisconsin and Indiana, uh, Iowa. They have played great. I'm looking forward to that matchup against Michigan. But Illinois is a team to look out for. Number three, the Michigan Wolverines. An all-around great and complete team. All their players are so well. Hunter Dickinson. On the wooden watch as well. Star rookie. Uh, probably win rookie of the year. He's amazing. Isaiah Livers is that experienced senior. Shondi Brown is that 3 and D player. Eli Brooks is a great you know, point shooting guard. Same with Mike Smith. Franz Wagner gets points. He shows up on the defensive end as well. He hustles. This team plays so well. And after this win against Ohio State, proving that they're just not a real deal, but one of the realest deals this year in college basketball. Going down the stretch, it's going to be nice watching them play basketball. Now number two has been number two all year, all the same. Baylor in the middle of big postponement uh, right now, but they have cruised through you know, Big 12 play. They haven't played recently, so it'll be nice to see them get back to see if they're rusty or not, kind of like Michigan was, but they have now controlled see if Baylor can do the same, but before their postponement, they were cruising through Big 12 play, uh, beating teams, solid teams, Texas Tech, Kansas, West Virginia, beating all of them, Texas, showing that they are the real deal in Big 12 in a really solid and deep conference. Now, number one is Gonzaga, and they're just great. Uh, everything they do, they can win the game shooting the three, not shooting the three, uh, just dominant on both sides of the floor. Uh, you know, one of the three teams of a top ten on offense and defense alongside Baylor and Michigan. And to me, uh, you know, people talk about their weak conference, which is true, rightly so. Uh, But it doesn't matter because they show up in the tournament, March Madness, and do just as well. And to me, Mark Few always has his team ready to go for the opponent. And this is the same with Gonzaga. I could see them, I probably do see them going undefeated until they suffer a loss in March Madness. So that is my top five for college college basketball, Ohio State, Illinois. Michigan, Baylor, and Gonzaga. The only difference between me and the AP poll is I have Ohio State and Illinois switched. In the poll, you have Illinois at five and Ohio State at four. Those can go either way, but I feel after a loss by Ohio State, they can just drop a single spot. Now, moving on to the MLB. Just for a short statement, Seattle, Mariners, Seattle Mariners, President and CEO Kevin Mather resigns after comments that he made. uh, Stupid comments, very stupid, against star players, good players, uh, criticizing them and just making dumb, foolish comments that should never be made. So he is now gone. Now moving on to the NHL, where there's a lot of action in Lake Tahoe shots this past weekend. And it was beautiful watching games played on Lake Tahoe. It was awesome for that, for the NHL, their outdoor games. But it was not good in the teams I was rooting for and picked. I was wrong on the Golden Knights. Uh, they lost 3-2 to two after a, like, 9-hour first period intermission because of the sun melting the ice, deeming it not fit to play on. Knights end up losing that game. And then the following night, I picked the Flyers against the Bruins. And the Bruins dismantled the Flyers 7 3 behind a Posternak hat trick. So Lake Tahoe was not kind to Josh. Then you have Artemi Panarin taking a leave of absence from the New York Rangers after allegations that have resurfaced today from like 12 years ago assault allegations. Uh, from a time he, you know, allegedly hit a woman, uh, who was 18 in Latvia. To me, I agree with what the Rangers have said and a lot of outlets, news outlets have said is, you know, this is a, oh, I've lost the word there, but a, uh, oh no, but this has been, you know, planned and, uh. This isn't a, uh, basically a planned story since Artemy Panarin is so outspoken against Vladimir Putin. Uh, this was kind of just the coach and they think Putin firing back and, you know, setting these things up. Which is sad. And that's what happens. And, you know, basically a uh, country like Russia where... People will have a lot of freedoms, and it's Putin over everybody. So if you're on Putin's side, you're treated kindly. If not, you're not. Look at Artemi Panarin. So now he has to face these allegations uh, from so long ago against a few Putin lovers and can't really have a right to say. But I'm on Artemi Panarin's side, and I think he'll come out of this fine and help the Rangers. But, of course, to the New York Rangers and sports fans, NHL fans, it's a huge blow to have Panarin, the bread man, out of the game as he is so gifted and so amazing. Now on to my picks for tonight. You have the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina Hurricanes are on a roll lately, but I have to pick the Lightning. I don't like the Lightning. I don't often pick the Lightning. But this time it just feels right because I want to pick the Hurricanes, but I feel like the Lightning are going to win, get back on track in this tough central division with themselves and the Hurricanes, the Blackhawks and the Panthers, a really solid division. This is a huge game for the Lightning after just losing to the Hurricanes, but I think the Lightning will rebound tonight and pull off a win. Next is another game between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. Just played against each other Saturday on Lake Tahoe, now back in Colorado. And I picked the Golden Knights to win last game. And I'm picking them again this game. That game did not detour me, deter me. Nathan McKinnon played very well that game. Uh Marc-Andre Fleury has been playing brilliant all season. And since of his outstanding play, I totally think they'll be just signed, they'll rebound. And the Golden Knights will get the win tonight uh, in Colorado. This will be another fun, exciting game between two of the heavyweights in the West Division. And I see the Golden Knights prevailing tonight. Now, going on to something personal. For me, I am a Michigan fan. I'm sporting my Jumpman Go Blue Michigan Wolverine hat. And I have to just touch on very college football situation real quick. It was announced that quarterback Joe Milton was leaving entering the transfer portal with 3 years of eligibility left. This is big news for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh cuz he was a starting quarterback last year most of the season, everybody raving about his talent and his arm and he is leaving. And it's a big deal because he is not the only quarterback to leave Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. Dylan McCaffrey left last year. Brandon Peters left the year before. Wilton Spate, longtime quarterback of Michigan, left the year before that. So this is now their fourth fourth uh, quarterback transfer of uh, under Harbaugh's ten- tenure. Uh, And all of them have started multiple games. Wilton Spate, Brandon Peters, uh, Joe Milton. Dylan McCaffrey is the only one who really didn't start multiple games. But he looked really promising. And he left when reports were happening that Joe Milton was going to be the starter. So this is not good. Uh, The quarterback competition, that was going to be between, you know, mostly Joe Milton and Cade McNamara with, you know, J.J. McCarthy also there. Is huge because now there's only two left, Cade and J.J. Uh, Cade has some experience and he looked good last year. But to me, he's not great talent. Everybody's talking about J.J. McCarthy being Jim Harbaugh's best quarterback recruit. So we'll see how that is. And that works. But this is a huge loss for Michigan. And a troubling sign of quarterbacks leaving Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh once being known is a quarterback whisperer, the one who can get it done with a good, solid quarterback, a strong arm back there. And they're not only not getting it done, but they're leaving at the same time. So this is a sign of concern. But with that sign of concern, let me remind everybody that Michigan football is the best team in history of the sport they are the most winningest program in football history with like eleven national titles, uh almost like tied for first or second on the all time winning percentage. Uh this is just the greatest team in all of college football history. And guess what? You can talk about for quarterbacks all that you want and their rivalries, but Michigan leads all, you know, the rivalries, Ohio State. Uh, Michigan State, Notre Dame, they lead it in all because they're so good. And guess what? They produced the GOAT. They produced Tom Brady. Not Bill Belichick, but Michigan. It was Michigan that did that. The GOAT says, go blue. That's right. His fundamentals didn't come from Bill Belichick. They came from Michigan University. His name is attached to Michigan and should be attached more to that school than it ever should be attached to Bill Belichick. That's right. That's my stop on that subject. You know, mild tennis news. Naomi Osaka won her tournament. As I think I mentioned last week, she's on top of now the World of tennis once again, she's back after an Australian Open victory. Same with Novak Djokovic, they both won easily. Uh, They both deserve to win and get razor trophies, have their little moments of fame. So, congratulations to the both of them for getting the job done. Now, moving on from sports in general, if you care. About the stock market like I do. And then, you know, today was a positive market day. But not really for a lot of big tech companies. Apple, Google, Microsoft, all down. The biggest one down was Tesla. Jumped down from like 780. uh, Opened at 762. And went all the way down to 710 as a Tesla investor. This was very, very, very sad that it suffered this crazy uh, drop as a Tesla fan. This was not something I wanted to see. So hopefully this backtracks and it gets up. But for a lot of Tesla investors, today was not a good day. Now for movie reviews, watched two movies this past weekend. First one was I Care A Lot, featuring Rosamund Pike, who's up for a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy Slash Musical. And to me, this story was really interesting. Uh, A woman uh, who opens her own care center and takes advantage of elderly people. They come in, and uh, she basically works with a doctor and says, You know, these people, you know, aren't fit to live on their own. So she takes them in, takes all of her possessions, belongings, and really profits a lot off of it. But so does everybody. But highly unethical, uh, not right at all. So guess what? Uh, She goes after this very wealthy, independent lady. And it ends up backfiring on her. Uh... They're involved in a Russian mafia, the person that she takes the mom, and uh, so it all goes downhill because they do not want her alive anymore, and just the whole sequence of her trying to outsmart them and not losing, but in the end, she does lose not to them. She forms a crazy partnership and goes on to be very wealthy, but... You know, if you forget your original demons and people that wanted to come after you and you put them to the side, it will not end well for you. So it did not end well for Rosamund's Pike character, Marla, at all. Next, I watched Golden Lion Winner and Best Picture Favorite and Director Favorite Nomad Land, starring Frances McDormand. As she lives, this Nomad life in her van her small town of empire basically dissolved zip code gone and she doesn't really live off the land she doesn't live off the land but she you know takes seasonal jobs where she can get them everywhere and just lives out of her van uh, has a bathroom in there uh, stove everything needed and it's just a look and more like a case study into that nomad style of life. Uh, where she, you know, she meets friends, uh, her family would like her to stay. She meets a guy, but she prefers living that nomad life after what happened to her town, her husband dying, and the Great Recession. So that is, you know, really the major point and just this heart wrenching story of a woman who wants to be alone and you know faces You know, many things and uh, just a way of life that nomads go through. uh, Led by, you know, Bob Wells and his nomad style of life. But the strong community within each other that all nomads have. So that was the two movies I watched this weekend. I'm basically all caught up on everything. There's a few stragglers I have left to watch, you know, Minari I have to watch, and The Father, but those will all be seen in due time. I did watch the documentary Framing Britney for the Free Britney Movement, and I am on Britney Spears' side to the max, very eye-opening about the conservatorship and how that works and the processes behind it and, you know, what happened to her is I'm only... 21 years old, so I don't remember anything that happened, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago with all those incidents, so getting caught up on that is just crazy to see people take advantage of other people, and I am on the free Britney movement, and it seems like she is doing better now, and is doing better, and it'll all be better when this conservatorship ends, now, my final get-your-goat take is this. And it's an NFL take again. Regarding Carson Wentz and being an Indianapolis Colts, guess what? Carson Wentz is no good. You are not winning a Super Bowl or MVP anytime soon. Let me be very clear to you. This Colts fans... You are not making the playoffs with Carson Wentz as your quarterback any time soon. It is not happening. Not even in the realm of possibility of happening. You are very delusional. People who put questions up there like, who's going to do better this year? Matthew Stafford and the Rams? Or Carson Wentz and the Colts? It's Matthew Stafford and the Rams by light years. Light years ahead of them. The whole team is better than the Colts. Carson Wentz does not have any added value because nobody else wanted Carson Wentz. The Bears did and the Colts did. A lot of teams wanted Matthew Stafford. A lot. Panthers wanted him. Washington wanted him. Rams wanted him. They were talking about the Niners and other teams uh, contending. But nobody wanted Carson Wentz. Why? Because he's not good in the locker room and he's not a good quarterback. And as I talked about with Michael Pittman, this will only be exasperated all season long, and this will lead and end with a Colts demise as the Colts go nowhere because Carson Wentz is going nowhere. That's my final take. This has been Get Your Goat. Happy Monday, everybody. Nice to be back on air with you after this weekend. Goodbye, everybody.